Hello and welcome to Getting It Done, a podcast about music, education, and life lessons. I'm your host, Tim Rausenberger, and today is Friday, January 5th, 2018. This is episode 198, Conducting Baton or No Baton. Over the years, I have read many books, spoken to a lot of musicians, and collected the thoughts of many people in the world of education as it relates to conducting. But lately, I've been reading a particular topic that keeps coming up in a lot of groups and forums online. And it has to do with the use of the baton. Does a conductor have to use a baton? Are there specific situations where a baton is not used? Should conductors be required to use a baton? These are actual questions I've been reading online. But I've been a little bit surprised by some of the responses I've seen. And I want to share some of those responses with you. The baton is the instrument of the conductor. The baton is a conductor's tool. The baton is the conductor's way of earning respect on the podium. Or, I've seen that also written as a way to bring respect to the podium itself. The baton should always be used with any instrumental ensemble and should never be used with choral ensembles. Those are some of the comments I've read. And people are not being sarcastic. They are very serious about all of these remarks. So where do you stand? What are your thoughts? I'd like to share some of mine with you because over the past two decades, I have been fortunate enough to conduct instrumental and choral ensembles ranging from elementary school to middle school, high school, community groups, and even some professional ensembles and some church groups. Some of the groups have been very, very small, ensembles as small as 10, while others have been as many as 150. I think I do agree personally that it's common for conductors who are with choruses and any type of choral ensembles that they do not use batons. And I think one of the reasons for that is 
the when you're dealing with singers singers are very different from instrumentalists and anyone who has uh, directed a chorus whether it be in a school or in any type of group outside of school they know this there's something that's a little more personal about it because you are dealing directly with the person not their instruments you need to communicate things to the student uh, to the uh, the performer the choral performer because their brain needs to be attached on some level to their feelings to their heart and that's not as much the case with people in instrumental ensembles i mean you certainly could play in an orchestra and have that ice in your veins and always play well and not have to put a tremendous amount of emotion behind your playing yet the sound that's coming out might be the sound that makes another person smile Uh, singing doesn't quite work that way it's for that reason I think that a lot of singers when they see the baton it seems to change the whole tenor no pun intended of the conductor and 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 how the the conductor is directing the entire group almost as if he or she is pointing at them uh, the chorus does not need the same level of direct cues as a larger group. And with that said, a group like a small brass ensemble probably does not need a baton either. Because again, it has to do with the number of voices you're dealing with, the number of parts. So I think when it comes to choruses, it's a combination of those two things. The number of parts and the personal end of things. This is not to say that I've never used a baton with a chorus before. I have, just not too many times. And the choruses that I have used it with have been extremely large. Now when it comes to instrumental ensembles, this, I have a, 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 an interesting take on this, and hopefully it'll be something you take with you. When it comes to high school musicians and anyone just simply older than that, college, professional, community, most of those people have a relatively good sense of time, beat, rhythm, and for those reasons, it's 
usually expected that those musicians are able to follow the conductor. If that's true, then I do feel the baton should be used almost all of the time. I can give you an exception. I am not a huge fan of using a baton when I'm conducting pieces that are, uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, ballads or chorales or choral pieces that have been transcribed for bands. A perfect example that comes to mind, one of my favorite uh, pieces for wind band is Blessed Are They by Johannes Brahms. And it comes from his German Requiem. The transcription for band is splendid. It's a joy. It really captures the original tune quite well and it's scored uh, nicely. I have never used a baton when I've conducted that tune. I've conducted it four with four different groups and it just says it's never I've never felt like I need that. Uh, I think one thing that's also helped me to make that decision has been the lack of percussion being used in the piece of music. Uh, that particular piece relies uh, primarily on the timpani. And the timpani just doesn't need uh, too much attention from the conductor in that work. When it comes to elementary and middle school groups, I have an idea which might differ from others, and I hope you'll consider it. Elementary and middle school musicians, unless you're dealing with children who have been playing an instrument since they were four or five years old, usually do not start their instruments until they're at least nine. And from the ages of, we'll just call it nine to 14, many of those musicians simply do not have exceptional time-space relation. Simply put, they don't always have a precise understanding of what the beat is. The conductor could give you four beats for nothing, could give you a nice prep, yet you still can't quite capture what the speed of the piece is supposed to be. And when you get to a whole note, if you're not looking up at the conductor, there's a really good chance that you may speed up or slow down in your own brain when it comes to the tempo. For this reason, uh, a lot of my rehearsals with those age groups, I would say, for instance, for a, for a, a three-month uh, uh, planning of rehearsals, I would say for at least a month and a half, I don't use the baton much. Instead, what I do is I will clap, 
I will, one of my favorite things to do that I've done in recent years is use a wood block or a jam block. Uh, that would be like the, the, the red or blue uh, LP uh, jam blocks that are also used often in uh, marching band situations. Uh, you don't want to hit it full force or else everybody in the room is going to go deaf, but I'll usually use the butt end of the drumstick and just lightly tap uh, the block. Uh, one thing that's great about that is it really uh, saves your hands from getting bright red and uh, it saves your shoulder actually. If you do it a lot, uh, I find that if you're clapping a lot, your shoulders can get really sore. Uh, so when you do this, it makes a nice sound, people can hear it well, and it helps them to keep track of the beat. Now, I am sure someone's going to listen to this and say, well, this person has no faith in his musicians at all. They should at all times be looking at the conductor. Well, that's, that's, that's a nice thought, and that's in a perfect world. Well, we don't live in a perfect world. And in the world that I've been living in, where I've been teaching children in urban, suburban, and rural settings, kids have a difficult time when it comes to multitasking. And playing a musical instrument is the ultimate in multitasking. When you're asking them to, on top of everything else they need to do to play the instruments and to execute asking them to also look up at all times while they're still learning their parts is frankly unreasonable and for that reason I feel the need to provide the beat for them but not all the time and I will have moments where a piece is ready to go and once I deem that we're at that point, I will take the baton out and make it crystal clear to my musicians that I'm done with the block. I'm done with clapping. You now need to look up. I have done my part as a conductor in memorizing the score, which I do all the time. I feel very, uh, very uh, strong about that. I've done past podcast episodes uh, discussing the memorization of the scores. I always think, I think that anybody who's conducting elementary or middle school should have all their music memorized. That's my own personal belief. So I will say to the students, I did my part. I know what the third clarinet is playing in measure 64. I've done my part. You need to do yours. And part of your, your, uh, role as a musician in this group is communicating with me. I will have your back. I will be there the entire time throughout rehearsals and especially at the concert. You will get my eyes. You will get my attention. You will get my communication. But I need the same in return from you. So then the people in the audience don't think that I'm just this wild, crazy person waving his arms and waving this stick in the air. Remember, that baton did not go to college. That baton never attended a music conservatory. So this notion 
and nonsense that the baton is the thing that earns the respect. The baton doesn't earn any respect. You do. The person earns the respect. The baton is simply there as an additional device for people to follow. I've seen people, it's it's similar to the, the uh, episode 190 I just did on mouthpiece madness. People who obsess over mouthpieces. Well, there are people who obsess over batons and they get out of control with it. I have three batons. I have two batons that are on the shorter side and one that's long. And the one that's long, I made sure that I got one that's nicely balanced and I use it with large groups. So people who are far away from me or have a difficult angle where they need to look at me can see the full length of the baton well. But when I'm dealing with smaller groups, I use smaller batons. It's really that simple. That's me. It's my own personal preference. Uh, I think with all of this talk, the most important thing is that you as the conductor do not get in the way. So let's not worry so much about the baton. Let's worry about your role as the person directing the ensemble and out of respect for the composer and the music that was written that you're not getting in the way. I will never forget an elementary uh, band orchestra festival I attended many years ago. And I don't know who the person was who was conducting. I'd never seen him before. And I hope that he has changed his ways because it was the most distracting, obnoxious performance I've ever seen. There were, he had a group, it had no more than 25 kids, about 20 to 25 kids on stage. And they weren't great. They were okay though, but they weren't great could tell that this was a program uh, which was either uh, not run very well or may have been a newer group. Uh, and I again, I don't like to judge because you don't know what the person's situation is. You don't know if the person's incompetent. You don't know if the person's been dealt a bad hand when it comes to school and rehearsals and lessons. So I never like to judge. But here is one thing that I could not avoid judging was the conductor. The conductor got up on the stage and he got on this podium that looked like it, it must, it looked like it was 10 feet high. It was so high, just towering over the kids. He specifically brought his own podium out and he gets in front of the kids and they're playing music, which is very basic. Quarter notes, half notes, nothing challenging at all. And he's conducting as if it's a Tchaikovsky symphony. His arms were flailing all over the place, obnoxiously. Huge gestures, big, big gestures. And you couldn't even hear the students because it was almost as if we could hear him on the podium. He wasn't making any sounds. We could hear him just by looking at his body language. It was so disturbing. So what I do say to you as a conductor is worry less about your baton. 
worry less about all of that and think more and focus more on the gestures and the motions you're making with your arms, with your body in general. That's what you need to work on. Record yourself. Take a look at yourself. Record yourself in the mirror. But I think recording yourself in rehearsals is important. And I will say also on a side note with that, especially if you're a public school educator or any educator in a school, uh, certainly get clearance with that. Make sure that that's okay with an administrator that you are recording yourself. I have known of people that uh, have actually gotten in trouble for recording themselves in the classroom, even though you're doing it to improve yourself, uh, to professionally develop, which is a term that you could use with an administrator. But uh, you're also doing it so you have the opportunity to listen to the kids and see how the, the students are responding to what you're doing. Uh, I think the body language is far more important. I attended a uh, conducting clinic uh, several years back and the clinician uh, conducted the Holst first suite in E-flat and did not use a baton and did not use the arms. Everything was done simply by facial gestures and the head. That was it. And it was incredible because the group sounded amazing. So that's just just something to think about. Try it. Why not? I always like to treat my younger musicians as if they are professionals. I always tell them what you're doing is so difficult to do. And you can say the same thing with singers. What you are doing is very demanding. And I'm going to treat you like little professionals. Now, we don't want to get to the point where we're thinking of them as the New York Philharmonic or Berlin. But I think when you say something like that, it gives them a lot of pride. It gives them something to strive for. And when they have that type of purpose, it changes the entire performance. And you're going to, the the parents, what they take out of the performances is twofold. They hear a great performance and the kids also look great. So when you have that, it's a win-win situation. So those are my thoughts on the baton, whether you should or should not use it. Um, I, one thing I think I would say when it comes to the baton in general, uh, invest a little bit of money, get a nice baton. Uh, Don't just settle for a baton that is a lousy material with the cork on the end. Those, most of them are terrible. They're not balanced very well. Uh, it would be a good idea to perhaps attend a music conference where, uh, several, vendors are there where you can try their materials and it would be even better if you could get to a music store that has a wide selection of batons which to be blunt this is where the shuttering of so many stores is becoming more and more of an issue because uh, ordering a baton online is not ideal 
It's definitely something that's personal preference. I know in selecting my batons, I went through a lot of batons. And one more point along with this. <laughs> I've I've broken two batons in my life and they ha- it happened on back-to-back days. Uh, I, I when I was in school at Wilkes University, uh, the state music conference was in the same it was in Wilkes-Barre. It was in the same city where I attended school. And the first day of the clinic, I bought a baton, brought it to my conducting class the next day. And when I was going to my locker to put my my baton away, I don't know what I did, but the baton, <laughs> the baton somehow or another got between me and the locker and I broke the baton in half. And 24 hours later, after I went back to the, the conference and got another baton, I did the same exact thing. So I broke two batons in the same method over the course of 48 hours. So uh, one other thing that you may want to look into is getting a nice case uh, for the baton. You certainly want to protect protect it uh, because they, they really can break easily. And I also would keep your students away from the baton. I always, uh, I do not like students touching the baton because again, uh, once it breaks, it breaks. There's no repairing a baton and, uh, they are very personal to us as, as conductors. So I hope this advice has been helpful to you on, uh, just some of my thoughts. I know that everybody's not going to agree and that's fine. But uh, this is what's worked out best for me throughout the course of my career. Uh, Our next podcast episode, I'm going to talk about uh, one of my favorite, uh, or actually I should say some of my favorite conducting experiences uh, over the course of my career. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy hearing those. Thank you as always for tuning in. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. And, uh, and share it with others. Uh, people can, can learn a lot from this information. It's free. I do it uh, just for the love of being able to present information that's valuable to others. I wish you all the best with your ensembles and be well.